This is Making Disciples with Robbie Gallaty, which is part of the Replicate Podcast Network. It is a resource to equip and encourage leaders to make disciples who make disciple makers. Here is your host, Colin Wood. Today on the podcast, we are continuing our conversation that we started last week on grief, uh, the idea that sometimes success and suffering run on parallel tracks. Pastor, you made the comment that they often run on parallel tracks and sometimes arrive at the same place at the same time. Uh, Last week, you talked a little bit about what precipitated this time of grieving in your life, and you uh, just walked us through this just devastating two- to three-week time period where you lost your best friend in the world, Chris Swain, and then the day uh, that Chris died, um, Abe, your father-in-law, was put in the same hospital with the same condition, He passed away about five days later, and then the next week uh, you you did the funeral, preached the funeral, both for your best friend and your father-in-law, and you were getting ready to talk to us about the next six months. You you mentioned something that happened the week after Christmas that really woke you up, that, that got you to realize that you were dealing with grief with something that you really had no idea you were going through. Yeah. Um, I was talking about how these two worlds collided. We're in the highest high of ministerial experience of revival. I mean, we're seeing a genuine move of God and both at the same time experiencing the lowest lows of spiritual warfare and loss and grief, and they intersected together. And so uh, the fall for me of 2021 was a very interesting season. Um, Again, I, I... I didn't know something was wrong. Like I wasn't feeling like I was off, but in hindsight, I see it. And that's how grief works. You don't know you're in grief until you're in it. Someone said, grief is like finding yourself in exile. You don't know where you are Mm. and you don't even know how you got there. I'll Mm. give you an example. It reminds me of the time of the children of Israel when God sent them to exile in Babylon. Mm-hmm. And yes, some of them were, I mean, probably many of them were worshiping false gods and doing bad things. But think of the people who were still serving God and doing the right thing and and doing everything right. And yet now they find themselves in a foreign land that is very unfamiliar and they're in exile. Or maybe you just get used to it. Or you're you get like, used oh, to it. Yeah. This, this is where I live now. Yeah, this, you get this used to it. This is life. Uh, yeah, of course. This is how it is. Yeah, you get used to it. So what do you do in exile? Which is, the, which is the hard thing for someone in grief. God says to them in Jeremiah, uh, unpack your bags, find jobs, let your children marry, uh, plant gardens, and flourish in a foreign land. It's very difficult to find yourself in an unfamiliar place and flourish, but that's in a sense what God says. This is the new normal. So I was in a very unfamiliar place. I didn't know it until, as we learned last week, my wife Candy is going to come to me. So I'm in this fog. It's between Christmas and New Year's. And I think it's a Sunday after preaching. And Candy, my wife, comes to me and says, Robbie, we need to talk. Ah, mama. Yeah. <laughs> now, if you're a guy, you know, whenever your wife comes to you and says, we need to talk, it's <laughs> that is never a good thing. Yeah. Right? And it's so, never like, man, things are so good right now. Thank yeah. you. Man, you're just really killing it. You, at home. <laughs> yeah, dad of the year. Thanks for being the husband you are. Oh, man, yeah. no, no, it's never that. Yeah. And so I tried to get out of it quick. I'm like, you want to do it right now? <laughs> 
on the way home. Yeah, yeah. You sure you want it? She's like, no, no, no. This is a way longer time. Are you sure? She said no. And she was not ready to do it, obviously. But she said, no, let's go out somewhere to eat and let's just talk. We're going to need some time to do it. We need to be somewhere public. Yeah, public. (laughs) Exactly. That's exactly what it was. We need to be somewhere public. So, no. So we went to a, a breakfast place in town and we sat down and she's basically said to me, she looked me in the eyes and she said, Robbie, I need you to plug back in the family. You have been detached for a while. Mm. She doesn't play around. No, she doesn't play around. Thank God, though. And so I, you know, defensively, I'm like, well, what are you talking about detached? I'm not detached. I said, are you, st-? and this is the line I wish I would have taken <laughs> back now. I said, are you still grieving? Your dad has been gone for five months already. Are oh you still grieving God. your dad? Not, you really said that? Well, I didn't have anything else in the toolkit <laughs> at that point. I mean, I was I was being hammered. I didn't know what else to do. It's, I'm not detached. You're detached. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Yeah, bad. Don't take any. Yeah, don't use that uh, because she reminds me of that since then. But anyway, but but she. But I said, I'm not. I'm not uh, detached. I said, don't tell me you're still grieving, are you? And it's been five whole months. Five whole months. Yeah, I had somebody tell me yesterday they've been grieving for 25 years. So anyway, you know how much I know about grief. But anyway, Candy comes up. So here's my wife, loving as loving and compassionate as she could. She looks at me in the eyes and she says. Robbie, I think you're still grieving, and you don't even know it. Mm. Man, and that's, that, you talk about disarming. Mm. Because at that point, I couldn't say, I'm not, because I thought, maybe I am grieving, and I don't know it. Wow. So, so I go home that night. You as think I, just hearing that, like her just saying that made you think it for the first time? Yes, maybe yes. I am grieving. And that's why I'm saying right now to those listening, this is why you need to hear this from me. You may be in a fog mm-hmm. in grief and you don't even know it. You need to mm-hmm. hear that from me. And I'm giving you permission to go ask some trusted friends and family to see what they say. Because you can't see grief really at, at times. You need an outside perspective to kind of diagnose you. And maybe your spouse isn't as bold as Candy was. Maybe not. Maybe you, not. You need to go to them. Yes, yes. Or maybe even your staff. Or staff, yeah. Hey, you find me this way. So I went home, as I've talked about numerous times, I have a rhythm with the Lord that I sit with the Lord at night, silence and solitude, and I went back to the Lord, and I got honest with God again, and I said, God, do you think, am I grieving? Mm. I don't feel like I'm grieving. And man, the Lord began to do, again, a deep work in my heart and show me some ways I'm grieving, very emotional I got raw and real with God. I asked the same questions I've asked for six months. Why take Chris? Why my best friend? Why now? Why at the revival? Makes no sense. God, l- let me do all those things. And then at the end of the day, God began to comfort me. Now, here's the, here's the key I want you to get. It's very easy for us to suppress our feelings instead of feel them. We don't want to feel. We want to suppress. We don't want to deal We don't want to deal because we don't want to feel. But here's the thing I want you to get. To feel is to heal. Mm. To feel is to heal. You have to go through these emotions, okay? Now, remember the greatest greatest example of of why bad things happen to to people who aren't really out of God's will is Job. I mean, think of the, the life of Job. Here's a man who did everything right. I mean, he's done everything right. I mean, Job has dotted every I, he's crossed every T. Mm. Job, Job is living for the Lord, and God allows Satan to torment his choice servant. And so Job is is punished in a sense, and what's glaringly obvious in the, in the account of Job is this. 37 chapters, I mean, you gotta think about this, 
For 37 chapters, God is visibly absent and silent. Mm. Okay? Or, or, or just silent, not absent, silent. Yeah. He's silent. He doesn't say a word. He might be absent uh, from it may Job, seem. Job's perspective. Yeah, well, I would say that. From Job's perspective, he would be absent. But let me remind you, God is there the whole time. He's watching the whole thing. He's walking with Job. And here's another insight you need to remember. God's silence in your life is not absence. Mm-hmm. His silence is not absence, meaning just because you don't hear the voice of God or feel led by the Spirit of God doesn't mean he's not right there with you. And finally, what's amazing about Job is when Job finally garners a a meeting and he finally gets an appointment with God himself, he's going to finally, in his mind, get some answers to these questions. Why did this happen? Why did you punish me? What Job realizes is something we need to realize. When we finally get to the presence of God, we're not there to get our questions answered. Mm. We're there, watch this, to find out what the right questions are to ask. Mm. That's what we're there for. Job never gets a question answered. What Job starts to learn is, what are the right questions to ask God? And the questions are these. Does God have the right to do whatever he wants in my life? Mm, So good. Does God know best? Will not the judge of all the earth do right? I mean, these are the kind of questions Job is asking God. And obviously, he's realizing God does have the right to do whatever he wants. And so it's encouraging to us today. Why? Because we realize we may not understand, but God does. And mm-hmm. God has a reason. And I want to show you when we come back, Romans 8.28 has been a hallmark scripture for a lot of Christians. Mm-hmm. But I feel like many Christians don't understand the context of two words inside of Romans 8.28. Mm. Yeah, after the break, let's talk more about that. Uh, the, the line you said that in order to heal, you have to feel, uh, we could unpack for a long time. It also struck me struck me that um, you talk about learning to ask the right questions. Maybe it is a symptom of grief that we are asking not the wrong questions, but we are asking the why questions still. Mm. And I don't know that we'll ever get past wondering why, but I know initially, and for those first few months for me, there was a lot of why, 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 why. And I don't think God is too um, big for those kind of questions. He, he can handle them. Um, but at the same time, learning to ask the right questions. After the break, I want you to talk to us about this verse and how you learn to apply it in perhaps a more accurate way to what uh, the Apostle Paul wrote when he was inspired uh, by the Holy Spirit. So join us after the break as we talk more about grief, success, and suffering. Are you struggling with the fatigue of ministry post-COVID? Have you experienced some fruit but hit a plateau in your life or even your church? Could you benefit from a group of like-minded leaders who can help you achieve your God-given potential? Being a church leader is more challenging today than it has ever been and the pandemic hasn't made it any easier to lead. We now have a whole new set of problems to deal with as church leaders that will require new solutions. With this in mind, we developed the Replicate Collective. This is a close-knit group of church leaders who want to help you and your church unleash your God-given potential. Members of the Collective will interact with premier church leaders, men like Will Mancini, David Platt, Pete Scazzaro, and many others. 
Members of the collective create catalytic clarity for their church and personal lives. They participate in weekly huddles with like-minded church leaders. And you'll get personal coaching from me and the Replicate team. If you're interested in applying to join the collective or simply want to find out more, head over to replicatecollective.com. Replicatecollective.com. We have limited spots, so you want to check it out today. Today we're talking about this very difficult personal subject of grief. And I know this is a journey, Pastor, that we travel together in in some some ways, but in other ways, completely personal journeys. While we both experienced loss, we each had different type of relationship with Chris. Our personalities, our past experience are different. Um, and then you experienced the loss of your father-in-law as well. And so even though we experienced loss in a, in a similar way, we had personal journeys. And you were just sharing with us the importance it is not to suppress uh, feelings, but to recognize them and to feel uh, the emotions, to feel what it is to grieve, and also to the importance of getting feedback from others on helping you to discern if you're grieving or not. One, one person or one type of person we didn't mention that I know was helpful to both of us is someone experienced with biblical counseling. Uh, that we both said we both went to a counselor, not even feeling like we needed to, but knowing intellectually that we did need to and allowing him to help us identify what we were experiencing. You mentioned before the break, uh, Romans 28, 828, 828, and how uh, this was a, a, a vital verse for you in helping you learn how to deal with what you were experiencing. Tell yeah. us about that. Yeah. So Romans 828 is uh, one we love and quote, God works all things together for the good of those who or called or goes who love him or called according to his purpose. Yeah, it's those a great like him. eye black of the football player verse yeah. Yeah. of man, God's doing great things. Everything's good. All things he's working together. It's, it's all sports it's all, scores, all sales, going up. records, everything. <laughs> Unfortunately, uh, it's a misunderstanding of the two words, all things. Oh boy. Okay. So in order to understand what he's saying, you have to go back. This verse is a callback to Romans 8, 18. And it's an actual look ahead to Romans 8.35. Let's mm. go back to the callback. Because in order to understand the all things that will work together, mm-hmm. you have to know what he's talking what about. What the all things are. The all things are, verse 18, I consider that the sufferings, the all things, sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing, what does it say? With the glory that is going to be revealed to us. So here's what he's saying. Mm. All of the sufferings in life are going to be worked out together for the good of those who love God are called according to his purpose. But he also looks ahead to Romans 8.35, and he says, in the midst of suffering, you need to be encouraged. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword. He says, no, we're more than conquerors through Christ Jesus who loved us. And then he talks about all these things that will never separate us, mm. angels or demons, present or future, uh, height or depth, and None of this will separate us. And so one of the things he's showing us is this. Evil, suffering, pain, torment, loss, difficulty, grief is going to be part and parcel to the, to the Christian life. Okay? Mm. However, there is some way we can deal with this. Because up to this point, we've talked about great insights from the word that God is with us and God walks with us. But we've never answered what do we do when we're grieving? Okay, let me teach you from the scripture quickly 
from the life of Jesus how he has grieved or how he grieves or walks through grief with the loss of a very close family member, John the Baptist. Hmm. So in Mark chapter 6, and obviously we won't have too much time to read the whole story, but Mark chapter 6, verse 30, the context there is this. There is a intersection of the highest highs of the ministry of the disciples. They're just getting back from the first short-term alone mission trip. Okay, Jesus is going to send them out. They go on a mission trip. And when they come back, Jesus just hears the news right before they arrive that his cousin and forerunner to the movement has been beheaded by Herod the king. And so you have the highest highs and the lowest lows intersecting at the same time. And so the guys come back in Matthew 630 and they're telling Jesus all they taught and learned. And then Jesus says to them this line, guys, we need to come away by, read, read it for us. Do you have that? Mark yeah. 6, 31. Read this for yeah. us. Yeah. He said to them, come away by yourselves to a remote place and rest for a while. Okay. This is key about this verse. In the Greek, it's an interesting construction. The word order is very interesting. Jesus says, in a sense, you yourselves by yourself. So Colin, you need to get away. Robert, you need to get away. Robbie, you need to get away. And pull away from the world to a solitary place alone. Jesus is showing us this is how we deal with grief and pain and suffering partly. I mean, obviously you go to counseling, obviously you read books, obviously you talk to people, but this is partly part of the healing process. You need to get alone with the comforter, with the one who knows grief, the one who was like us in every way without sin, the one who can sympathize with us and empathize with us, God himself. So what he's saying is let's get away. But as you read the text, you realize Jesus is trying to go to a very familiar place up north that is isolated and alone. They probably have been there before to the mountainside. It's a desolate place. And so they get in the boat, and as they're going up the Sea of Galilee, you can almost picture to the left a massive sea of humanity building with maybe a few hundred at first, and by the time they hit different towns and they move north, there's thousands upon thousands. And by the time Jesus lands the boat, there are literally hundreds and thousands of people there wanting to hear from Jesus. They want to be healed. They want to hear a word. And Jesus puts off his time with the Father and addresses an immediate need. Now, not a lot of time to talk about this, but I just want to get to the point of what he does after that. Jesus then sees that the people have been fed, the baskets have been picked up from the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000, which he does here. Mm -hmm. Matthew 14, 22 is interesting because Matthew shows us what Jesus is going to do after he was disrupted from time alone with the Father. So read Matthew 14 and show us what Jesus does. Well, I was still in Mark 6, but I think it's the same thing. Can I read this one verse and see if it's the read same? Mark 6. Either. It says, after he said goodbye to them, he okay. went away to the mountain to pray. Yeah. Is that the same thing? Same thing, but okay. there's a key word, Matthew, that you're missing. Oh, uh, sorry. No, Matthew says, after dismissing the crowds, he went up on the mountainside by himself mm. to pray. Well into the night, mm -hmm. he was there alone. Mm. Now, here's what I want you to get, and this is the key. Jesus knows he needs time with the Father. The line I want you to remember is this. Either you're going to depart with the Lord or you're going to come apart. Hmm. You're going to depart 
away to be with God or you're going to come apart. Now, I don't know what Jesus's prayer life was like. I mean, I can assume it was not like many of our prayer lives. That's we, probably a little better. Probably a little bit. Yeah, probably a little better. It was not an incessant amount of talking no. and giving to-do lists for God or asking him to bless our plans. Yeah. It was probably not Heal Jesus. Heal so-and-so. Yeah, or bless me or work it. Yeah. It was probably not wrote prayers, our Father who art in heaven, all... I imagine Jesus's prayer life was more about sitting in silence and solitude, listening to the Father, basking in the presence of God, and letting God minister and Mm. and speak to him. Mm. And so Jesus was up there probably sharing raw emotions and feelings with the Father. And it shows us something about intimacy. You know, we always say in the world, Colin, that people, you can never be closer to a person than physical connection. Like a physical connection is the closest and most intimate you can be with another person. That's not correct. The closest you're with another person or a human being or a being in general is not physical. It's emotional. Why? Because when you share your raw emotions and your passions and your feelings and your hurts and your pains, you are connected to that person in a way you never would be before. Why would it not be the same for God? When you go to God the Father and you begin to share your feelings and give him your questions and grieve before him and cry. By the way, it's okay to cry. Mm-hmm. And cry before the Lord and, and experience the feelings and heal. Suffering becomes, I want you to get this, a sacred time. Mm. Suffering is a sacred time. Why? Because you're never closer to the Lord than when you're there with the Lord and sharing your raw emotions. Mm-hmm. And so let me just give you permission today. I want to give you permission to grieve. If you're experiencing loss, I mean, you don't even know it. I'm in a fog and I don't know it. It's okay to cry. It's okay to ask tough questions. It's okay to feel. Remember, to feel is to heal. You know, right in the middle of my grief, I really started to ask God some tough questions. And I was tempted, Colin, to say, God, this is not fair. Mm-hmm. This, this is not fair. And, and some of you are tempted to say that. God, this is not fair you took my best friend. God, this is not fair you took Candy's dad a week later. God, this is not fair that I had to do both funerals. Or you would say, God, this is not fair my son or daughter is wayward on drugs. God, this is not fair I have a loss of a mom or a dad or a sister or a brother. God, this is not fair I lost my job. It's not fair that I have a new career and I lost my marriage. It's not fair that my wife walked out. You could say whatever you want. And then I realized right in the middle of that kind of pity party that I didn't want fair. Fair means for me that I deserve hell separated from God for eternity because of my sin. Fair means that God punishes me for the things I have done. Fair means that God turns his back on me the way I have repeatedly through life turned my back on him. I don't want fair. In fact, when I, when I get to the place where I ask God, why do bad things happen to good people? God's response to me is, Robbie, that actually only happened one time in human history, and that man volunteered. So I want you to listen to me. You may never get an answer to why God did what he did. You may never get an answer to the road that you're currently on. Job, at the end of his life, never finds out why he suffered. Never. He, he doesn't know. We know, but he doesn't know. But it doesn't stop him from trusting and living his life. And the Bible says Job's second half of his life was doubly blessed compared to the first half, which was already blessed. And at one time right in the middle, Job says this, even though he kills me, 
I will trust in him. And so I don't know where you are, but I want to encourage you. Don't keep seeking out explanations. You may never experience healing that way. Never let an unanswered question hinder your uh, the lessons in a sense you're learning and the truths you're learning from God. And I want to give you permission. It's time for you uh, to move on. And, and listen to what I'm saying. Moving on is not moving past. Okay, so don't feel guilty that you're moving on. The person you're grieving would want you to move on. Don't feel guilty about tomorrow. I want to give you permission today to start living your life. That's so good. Thank you, Pastor, for sharing such a personal, um, humble uh, experience that you've had. Um, I can't help but think that someone listening right now is in a fog, is experiencing grief, and may not even understand it, Um, may be asking the question, why, God? This is not fair. Why? Uh, My prayer is that we will learn together to ask if God has the right to do what God does and that we don't want fear and that we will learn that lesson. Um, he encourages us in, in Romans 8 that you said, you, you read it, and I want to end our podcast with it, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is going to be revealed in us. The sufferings that we are experiencing today may seem to be too much, may seem to be overwhelming, and yet Scripture says uh, they do not even compare with the glory that is going to be revealed in us. Pastor or church leader, if you found today's conversation helpful, uh, then like the podcast or subscribe on whatever platform you listen to. That will help more people find it. You are always welcome to to share this with someone else. Uh, I would encourage you to go back and watch or listen to Pastor Robbie's sermon at Long Hollow from February 6, 2022, where he unpacked some of these same ideas for our church body. It was a sweet time in all three services as people came forward to the altar and cried out to God in their grief, looking for hope, looking for answer from the only one who can provide it. Thanks for joining us again, and we'll see you next week. Thank you for joining us for this episode. Take a moment to subscribe and share this podcast. You can receive more free resources to help you make disciples in your home, group, or church by clicking the link in the show notes or visiting our website at replicate.org.